Smith the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Losing the ball, Smith has it. Puts it, bounce pass to Craig Smith. Puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? My guy met a world peace pipe. Man, hell of a name, I'm not gonna lie to you. I want to shout out to the halftime basketball community from E. Devendorf, former Syracuse basketball player. Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take, keep doing your thing, because big baller brand is in the building, and you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing, and we gonna do our thing, because Big Ballers gotta stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big Ballers out, baby, and I holla. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Halftime Community Podcast. We got a banger for you today. I just recorded my interview. I'm all hyped up on Mountain Dew and pre-workout. I'm ready to go. I'm teed up. And we did it, folks. We are T-minus five days away from the play-in games. I'm really excited about these playoffs this year, especially with the play-in game format. Old heads want to hate on the play-in game. You should earn your spot. The top eight teams should automatically get in. This brings a little something extra to the table. I'm excited. It's going to be a little bit spicy. As of right now, the way things stand, and things could change, but these are pretty much locked in at this point. The playing game in the East is going to be the Pacers and the Wizards in that 9-10 game, and then the Celtics and the Hornets in that 7-8 game. Not the most exciting games in the world. Um, even if the Wizards, I think they would be the pick to come out of that game. And then probably the Celtics as well. So you have a Wizards-Celtics matchup um, going into the playoffs to see who's going to be that 7-8 seed going forward in the playoffs. But I think it's going to be interesting to say the least in the East. And then the West, we've got the Grizzlies-Spurs right now in that 9-10 matchup. And then the Lakers-Warriors. That is the biggest playing game on paper as of right now. A lot of questions going into that one. Is LeBron going to be healthy? Is LeBron even going to be playing? When it comes playoff time, people are getting a little bit worried because he's supposed to be playing right now, but he hasn't been on the court recently. But if LeBron and AD are on the court, in fact, um, I think you have an interesting matchup with Steph Curry because we all know Steph Curry can go off for 60 in any night, especially in the playoffs. He's going to be have the full green light. He's ready to go. Andrew Wiggins has looked better as of late. Draymond Green is going to be doing Draymond things, so it's going to be interesting to see the play-in games. And then the Knicks. Got to mention the Knicks. They are probably the best story out of this year so far. They officially clinched the playoffs for the first time in 78 years, so it's great to see the Knicks back in the playoffs. But I am excited for this next interview you guys are about to hear. I did a little bit of a dual interview with B. Snoozy. You guys heard him on the previous podcast. He joined me. He sat in um, when we talked to Miles. And Miles, he's an interesting cat. We had a long talk. A lot of takes were in this episode. But Miles um, is actually a basketball skills trainer. So that is something interesting to me and interesting to a lot of you guys, I'm sure. We talk basketball skills, who are the most skilled players in the NBA today offensively, um, what does skills training look like moving forward, and then we also talk Cleveland Cavaliers. 
He's a diehard Cavaliers fan, diehard Ohio guy. So we got into everything Cleveland Cavaliers past and present. And then we talked some playoffs and got some hot takes at the end. So enjoy. This is Miles, B. Snoozy, and myself. Well, I'm here with Miles. Uh, Miles, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the halftime community. Um, if you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself, let us know who you are, who you root for, all those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me, guys. Uh, brand new to this, uh, the halftime community, so it's, it's pretty cool. I've been on it for about, I want to say a solid week or two, maybe, and it's been I haven't had any bad experiences. It's been really cool, really nice to get to conversate about uh, basketball a lot um, and just have people be very respectable uh, about the sport and everything. It's pretty cool to see. But um, uh, my name is Miles. Uh, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, uh, born and raised. Uh, I will be 23 here in June. Um, I played college ball for Heidelberg University. for about two years. Uh, I also was in uh, the Ohio Air National Guard for about five years. I just got out uh, recently. Um, um, And I've basically been around the game of basketball my entire life. Um, As soon as I got out of uh, college and finished playing, um, I kind of just was looking for some type of calling, really. Uh, After I got out of the military, I was like, okay, well, I joined the military straight out of high school and I was playing college ball while also being in the military. So I was doing two different things and it was pretty cool, but it was a little hectic at times. So, and then once I got out of the military, um, I, you know, I have uh, two younger brothers that play basketball as well. So I decided to start working them out and training them as well. And then I saw that I was actually kind of good at it. So I decided to, Continue just working out with a couple of kids around the uh, the general area. And then, you know, um, as that starts to happen and parents start talking and then other people start asking. And then I kind of just got into training kids and uh, the next generation of basketball players uh, kind of just happened like that. Really, I didn't plan on it. Um, you know, it just kind of called me and I answered the call and I've been doing it ever since, really. Yeah, that's awesome. And you posted that, that you're a basketball skills trainer, and that's kind of what caught my eye. Um, that's such an interesting thing to me right now because, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that might not have had much of a market because people just didn't know what it was and they weren't thinking about um, sports training like that in yeah. particular, like on the individual level. But now it's becoming its own industry and you've got, you know, people with YouTube channels, famous sports trainers, and it's just growing and growing. So what would be your favorite part so far of doing that individual basketball skills training? Um, I would think my favorite part of it would be to see the growth of these kids. Um, I like, I like getting to a point where, okay, I get a, I get a young individual that comes to me and is like, hey, I'd like to work on this part of my game. Okay. I'd like to see where they start out as with me and then where we finish or where I can see that progression. I think that's the coolest thing for me because, you know, back when I was getting ready to go to college and in high school, like, and that was what I graduated high school in 2016. Even then, it wasn't even that big of an industry. So, like, me, 
with all the tools that if I would have had all the tools that I had, like for the, for these kids, like now, I don't know where I would be right now. I would, I could be in a totally different situation, <laughs> but you know, that's, he says, she say, whatever. But um, yeah, no, I really like to see the growth of these kids when they come to me and they're at a certain point. And then once, once they finish with me or they feel like, okay, I've, you know, pretty much gotten everything I needed to get out of working with you. Um, and I'd like to keep moving. And I, as long as I feel like, okay, and I can see the growth in the player from where they started with me to where they finish. That's, that's all that matters to me because I feel like I'm doing a great service for the next generation of basketball coming up. I think that's the biggest part for me for sure. Yeah. It's really crazy to think, you know, like you said, even just a short time ago, it was just, you know, you go play AAU and you play practice with your team and then that's yeah. it. And then you, you go play it. pickup. Yeah, you go yeah. play pickup and then that's pretty much it. But now there's so much individual skills training and we're even seeing that on the NBA and NCAA level now. It's kind yeah. of, you know, there's more to me. People say, you know, defense is dying, all that. I, that's part of it. You know, the defense is a little bit worse, I would say. And, you know, people save more of their skill for offense now. But also part of that is just the individual skill level on offense is yep. better than it's ever been. You know, well, if you watch better. those games, if you watch those games from the 90s, there there were players that were doing it, obviously, and they were more skilled than others. But just like the normal role player on teams, they were just, you know, spotting them for 15 feet, and that's kind of all they did. And maybe <laughs> had one post move or something. But right. now everybody can do a little bit of everything on offense. And you just – if you look and watch those old games compared to now, you'll really see that jump in skill level. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I can agree with that. Yeah. Brandon, did you have anything on the skills training, anything you wanted to ask him here? Yeah, Um. I was – you had mentioned uh... – kids a little bit do you just uh you know what kind of age group do you work is it mostly kids or do you go up with like some adults or how does that work for you so um for me i've worked with pretty much anywhere from i try to stay anywhere between middle school and high school right now um i've worked with a couple college kids uh well i guess it wouldn't be kids but college guys um <laughs> yeah yeah um i've worked with couple of them uh mostly a bunch of people that i knew uh growing up at the time um and then i've worked with um but mostly i've really focused on like middle school high school um it's kind of hard uh when you get into the older adult range yeah then they start it's very it gets very picky uh, when you have middle school and high school, they're just they're willing to want to work hard. You know, they're, they they want to get all the ins and outs that they possibly can. But by the time they get to that college level and up there, it's more or less. OK, let me see your credentials. Let me see yeah. who you trained before. So it gets it gets a little into the weeds and in those ages. Um, but then, then, you know, you, you don't get you get some college guys that are like, I'm just I'm just trying to work. Where, where can I get in the gym? Who can I work with? Blah, blah, blah. So you get some of those guys. And then, like I said, you get to the guys that are be like, OK, I need the best of the best. Blah, blah, blah. And that's cool, you know. But for me, when I look at it, I'm like, OK, if I were to potentially get into this like full time, you got to start somewhere. And then right. as yeah. your industry and clientele, 
you know, by the time you get up to those upper ages, then they're like, okay, I've seen you worked with blah, blah, blah. I've seen you worked with so-and-so and so-and-so. So then it makes it easier for them to be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's get in the gym somewhere. Let's go work out, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I, I find it, um, it's very interesting and it's cool because it's no real set routine on how you do things. You know what I mean? So like, you don't have to worry about like, okay, if I'm not working out these type of players, then I'm not important. You know what I mean? That's not the whole goal behind it. The whole goal behind it is influencing the next generation of basketball players. And as long as if you as a as a trainer can look at yourself and be like, okay, I'm influencing the next generation and helping in any way that I can, that's the biggest thing for me. So I feel like as time goes on, my influence will get bigger. And as that influence gets bigger, okay, then I can get more bigger name, you know, individuals that want to work out with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I've, you know, I've seen that at the college level for sure, because I uh, I did a little, you know, practice player, practice squad thing when I was in college. And, uh, you know, I went to Winthrop uh, University up in Rock Hill. Okay. And, you know, when we would scrimmage and stuff, like, you know, I did it with the women's team too. And I remember one time we were in practice and this girl was like complaining about how much I was running around and she had to play defense and stuff. I'm like, man, you really, you know, these, once they get there, it's like they're almost full of themselves really. And oh, it's like, look. gosh, like you're playing D one ball. Like, can you, and you're sitting here complaining about, you know, guarding me, like, <laughs> you know, what is this? Like that's going to translate yeah. to the game. And you know, it did, they were, they were bad. So yeah. I definitely noticed that for sure. Yeah, no, I can, I can attest to that. Like I've, I've played D three college ball. And, you know, the the difference between them, the two is astronomical nowadays. But I will say this, like, um, and get, coming out of high school, like, I was a very defensive-minded player. I didn't really develop offensively fully into my full potential until, like, my second year of college uh, because I still was trying to – in high school, I was more, okay – who my like my coach knew whoever the opposing team's best player was they were going to be contained for this game because I'm I'm guard I always was I'm the one like give me the best player I'm, I I got them I'm not worried just let me take care of that and then we'll figure out how to win the game from there but um yeah no I was a very defensive minded player and then I got to college and um it surprised me how certain schools because I, I knew a lot of kids like coming out of my class in 2016 out of the Columbus Ohio area we had tons of guys going co to play college ball division one you know all that all that stuff so it was like very weird to see how some players that went into higher divisions were like you know by the time I got up there after you know we talked and everything it was like you know defense was a thing but it wasn't really a thing <laughs> Yeah. And I, I thought that was crazy because when I got to college, it was like we would have practices for two to three hours and two of the three hours practices was all defense. <laughs> and then by the time we got to the offensive part of practice, everybody was exhausted. Now, mind you, it didn't really uh, it didn't really translate into games. We just couldn't put it together. But I, I was like, man, if I shoot. 
played like I literally was like I don't know if I I just play defense. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time my second year of uh, college came around, my offensive game kind of polished up, and it was a lot easier that way. But yeah, man, it's it's really crazy how defense as a whole has kind of. They kind of flip flop because you. I know you were mentioning uh, about the '90s, how it was like more defensive minded, and the offense was very stagnant. Like I can do three dribbles this way, and if I can't get past you, I'm passing and kicking. Yeah. So, and that it's kind of flip flop. Like back in the '90s, it was more defense, and then the offense was kind of like, eh, okay, you got some guys that can be offensively minded, but the defense was everybody was there with it. And now it's more offensive minded, like blown out the water. And defense is like, if you can play defense and offense, you're a dime a dozen right there. Mm-hmm. Like two way superstar, your way, you got it. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of superstars when they get up to that level in the NBA now, stars and superstars, they sort of pick their spots on defense to say the least. Um, preserve a lot of their energy for the offense and that's just kind of the way it goes so when you see those two-way players like young Kawhi um, it just really really sticks out in your mind and I'll always remember young Kawhi I know he picks his spots now he looks like he needs WD-40 when he's moving up and down the court but (laughs) he he still gets it done and he picks his spots on defense so I give respect to Kawhi before we get off the basketball training I do want to ask it's it's kind of a big picture question and it's two parts so you can take it however you want uh first of all where do you see basketball skills training going moving forward in the next couple years and then also what would your ultimate personal dream be with the skills training Um, i know in st louis i live in st louis now and we have larry hughes as a local here nba veteran um Larry Hughes, and he has his own skills academy here, and he does camps and things like that. What would your ultimate personal dream be for skills training? Um, hmm, let's see. Um, well, I could say um, probably my ultimate goal um, would just be able to eventually uh, get to work with like some high level NBA players. Um, and that's very, I know that's very like earshot, but um, like, like I said before, it's kind of like, it really just matters. It's a lot of networking, um, a lot of who, you know, um, and it really just, it's, it's kind of funny to say this, but it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to get a, a D one scholarship right now so like i'm i'm working i uh, got some i'm got some little small uh category schools looking at me i'm working with blah 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 but i'm really trying to get land that that first d1 scholarship offer mm-hmm. that's what i'm you know what i mean um and, and one of my uh trainers that worked me out when i was in high school um he is like really big around the city of columbus um, he's trained a lot of uh, a lot of high name prospects, um, even some NBA and WNBA players. Um, he's trained and worked with uh, um, what's his name, Seth Towns. He plays for Ohio State. 
uh, right now. He graduated out of my class. Uh, Trey Burke, he's worked with him. Jared Sullinger, he's worked with him. A couple of high-name guys like that uh, that have came out the Columbus area. And he actually just built, like, an entire gym, like, in Columbus, like, for his, like, training purposes. Because he was a guy that, you know, like me, who started out, who would just try to basically just find a gym to take people to work out in. You know, I don't really have my own space like that to be like, okay, just meet me at my gym, blah, 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 and we can work out. But he now finally has a gym. So I kind of looked up to him as, like, a mentor in this aspect, uh, because like he's, you talk about somebody who played college ball at one point in time, he's worked out with multiple high name guys and he's built his own gym. So now, you know, when people want to work out, they come to him and he's able to provide the service. So I think that was, that was pretty cool. And I think that's one of my, my bigger, um, bigger ambitions. If I could, get my own space or even buy, not even necessarily build it, but like buy my own gym, that would be pretty cool because then I could, you know, re- I could regulate who I want to come in. I can regulate who I want to work with. And then I will have that kind of that next tier, like caliber player that could possibly want to work with me. And I think that would be that that's the ultimate goal for me right now. It's just to, Right now, it's a very small goal, but you got to start somewhere to be able to climb the rest of the ladder. Um, but, yeah, just to land that kind of, quote, unquote, that first D1 offer would be pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's pretty ironic. It's, it's like um, if you're starting a business, I'll use this analogy, and you want to get a loan from a bank, but you've never had a business before. The right. bank's just, they're just not going to give you a loan. It's just too, they're, you're too risky. They're not going to do it. But if you've already been established and you're making a lot of money and you don't necessarily need the money, they're more than happy to give you that money because exactly. you know, you're not risky. And it's the same thing, you know, when you land your first D1 prospect or first guy that goes to the league or goes to the G League, you know, your name's going to be out there and people are just going to come to you and you don't really need to necessarily grind as much. But exactly. now you're in that grind mode where you just need to find that first step. So, yeah, that totally makes sense to me. For sure. Yeah. So I definitely wish you the best of luck. And uh, if I find any prospects in the Ohio area, if I'm traveling around doing pickup ball in the summer, I'll, I'll send them your way for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, skills wise, when you watch the game today, we're going to kind of transition over to the NBA today. When you're just watching the game, who kind of stands out to you as far as making the most out of what they have? And then vice versa, who kind of coasts on their natural skills, um, natural abilities and talents, but, you know, could use a little skills work? Oh, also natural ability and talent. Um... That's such a, you know, that's such a hard question. I think uh, coming from a training standpoint, like I look at the game now and so many guys are just like undeniably skilled in so many different ways that it kind of like the league. Okay, let me just start by saying this. I would say the league right now is 
really setting itself apart uh, from years in the past. Uh, because, like, right now, we have literal seven-footers that can bring the ball up the floor, shoot the three, take you to the bucket. You know what I mean? Like, with ease. Uh, and, like, I, we can, I can honestly say about five years ago, we that was, like, we still had post players. We had maybe a couple big guys that could spot up, hit you, give you one or two threes a game. But now it's like these these cats, they just they just go out and hope. And it's like the NBA is like it's very regulated. But like the way these these dudes are like so skilled and their skill sets are so high, it honestly it's like super regulated pickup ball now. Like it's no. Like, offense is technically, like, okay, my personal opinion, like, coaches really right now are very minuscule to the game, to the NBA right now. They're very minuscule. And the reason why I say that is because they're, like, they're a person on a payroll who literally tells teams and players what to do in crunch time moments. But that's that's really that like that's their biggest impact on them you know what i mean these dudes they go out and they hoop and they they get after it plain and simple um the skill set is just it's it's ridiculous like i i sit and imagine like how i would work with an nba player and i'm like i don't even know what i would I don't even know what workout regimen I would place for them because I'm like, I, I can't like focus on one thing. Like if I were to get a big man, I'm like, I can't focus on the, just putting them on a the block. Like they gonna want to do, show me, give me some face up moves. Give me some up from beyond the three point line. What am I going to do if I get a defender that wants to make me go to the rim? Like, okay, let me create space and get a jump shot. Like it's, it, it literally blows my mind. Cause I'm like, I, if I were a trainer training nba players right now i would train a seven footer just as like just how i would train a six foot three guard like their their talent levels are so it's like it's it's ridiculous like they they literally are they just they just hoop it's so it's so weird to explain but like I, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I this the talent level in the in the league right now is beyond me. It's beyond me. Yeah, it it really is. And one of my guilty pleasures, especially in the summertime and the off season, is watching those open runs that they oh, put on man. YouTube. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you just said that. I was literally just at work <laughs> two days ago, and I uh I get I was uh because I right now I'm um. Uh, I got a contracting job with an electric company and I basically work in the call center and I take calls like that. And, um, I had, I had just got off a phone call or whatever. And I just got on my phone for a quick second. And one of those Rico Rhines open oh, runs, yeah. I started watching one of those and I look up and I was watching, I looked up and I was sitting on the phone <laughs> for like five minutes not taking a call and I'm like oh shoot I gotta get back to because those things are just ridiculous like when I watch those I'm like okay see like these guys because everybody wants to wonder like okay like if you were to play with an NBA player like are they really like this I make like no they're it's ridiculous yeah it's I literally would, ridiculous. I always tell people if you ever think you 
were going to be an NBA player, if you ever go to an NBA game, just go a couple hours before and watch shoot around. And that guy, that's the 15th guy on the bench that you probably yeah. don't even know his name. He doesn't miss a shot. They will not yeah. miss a shot the entire <laughs> shoot around. It's just they're so skilled. Um, obviously, in the open runs, you know, they're not really playing defense. But, you know, it's still fun to see how any guy, even guys that are in the G League, you see them in, in the open runs a lot and overseas guys, they can get their points. Um, they can get their buckets Never. anywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy how many skilled players there are in so few spots in the NBA. So, yeah, those open runs. Rico Hines, shout out to Phil on the app. Uh, me yeah. and Phil talked about Pascal Siakam. He's always on the Rico Hines open runs, and he's yes. always getting his work in. So shout out to Phil on that. Uh, Brandon, did you have anything on that? Yeah, um, your last question, uh, four players kind of came to mind uh, when you asked about, you know, guys who – make the most out of their skill um and you know some guys who coast and you know you guys can kind of weigh in and see what you think on you know see if i'm wrong or not but uh two guys when you were saying that make the most out of their skill and uh two guys that came to mind were steph curry and Jokic because like i mean curry he's not you know the biggest strongest guy ever but you know he if you don't guard him at half court, he's going to, I mean, he's going to bury you with those threes and he always moving around and he's really honed in his skills to where, to make him a superstar player. Uh, and the same thing kind of with Jokic, he's, you know, he's not fast. He's not, you know, the muscular big you always see. Um, but his, his passing ability and his shooting ability is just, I mean, he's, he's gotten those skills up to a point where he can get away with not being, you know, fat, very fast or, you know, very strong um so those are two guys that kind of came to mind with with that first part and then the other one about uh posting along i kind of i kind of thought about a guy like wiggins you know early in his career um where he kind of you know he was just you know he was a big time guy coming out of college first pick um and he was trying to coast on his talent and then now where he's kind of figuring it out a little bit with the with the team change here with the warriors um but that kind of came to mind. Another guy this year I've watched a little bit of is is Bledsoe, and I, I don't know if it's if it's the fit over in New Orleans or what it is. But every time I watch a Pelicans game, it's like he's you know jogging, he's you know kind of half-assing it. Um, doesn't look like he cares too much. Um, and his numbers are he's having a pretty rough year. So um, those are that's kind of what came to mind for me when when that question was asked. Yeah, no, I can I can agree to that one. Uh... Yeah, but when you talk about guys like Steph and Jokic, um, Steph particularly, uh, you know, his skill set is so wide that, um, you know, and if I was, well, I know any defender would hate to guard Steph, but like the reason why Steph is so good is because he's constant. And this is what I try to get kids and younger, the younger groups to understand when they watch Steph, they're like, oh, my God, he just did something flashy again, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you're not watching what he's doing to make that flashy play. Like, he literally does all the work prior to make it somewhat, quote, unquote, easier for him to make this flashy play. Like, the dude literally doesn't stop moving. And mm-hmm. as a defender, nobody wants to guard somebody who's constantly running in circles, running off of screens, you know, whatever. And then after you finally catch up to him. Now you got to guard him one-on-one like that's yeah. intimidating. 
One, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm already tired from chasing around all these screens. Now I gotta, now I'm on an island, and now I gotta try and stay in front of you when you could dribble right around me in two moves and 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 make a highlight out of me. Like that's intimidating. So yeah. that right there, when you talk about somebody, he's literally locked in his skill set to where it makes the game so much easier for him. And Jokic, Jokic is. Jokic is Jokic. I can't even like there. <laughs> Nobody can explain Jokic. Nobody. Like I literally like if I were to put if I were to create a big man on 2K that could do and have all the intangibles and just be like just be right, I would it would be Jokic. And like every time I look at him and ever since he lost his weight, he kind of it looks a lot better, but like when I used to watch him I used to be like, man, Jokic is that one old dude at the open gyms that you go to where you're just like, how is he doing this? How like, is he cooking me for 30 Literally, points? like, man, like he literally will just sit in a post, okay? Somebody cuts. You're like, I don't even know what he's what he's throwing at, and somebody's open for a layup. Or he'll put you in a post, put you in a post move, turn around, do a little something. You're like, I don't even know why he's doing And then your friends get mad at you like, this old dude is cooking you. What is wrong? You guard him. Yeah. Like, yeah. what you want to do? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, Jokic is unexplainable, and I don't know. You know, you can never say never, but he's kind of in a tier of his own of just players that are big men that just don't make any sense. And maybe we'll see more of them in the coming yeah. years. Guys like um, – I think of Chet Holmgren. He he was the number one recruit or one of the top recruits just signed to Gonzaga. He's super tall, but super skilled. So maybe we'll see more of those types of players kind of follow yeah. after Jokic's foot, footsteps. So we'll see with that. Um, in terms of skilled players, um, when I think of like just offensively skilled players, I'd put guys like James Harden and Luka Doncic kind of in a tier of their own because they don't necessarily have those physical abilities like other NBA players have, um, but right. they just they use their bodies so well, and they, mm. they control the game at all times. They're always in control. They play at their own pace. And yeah. with Luka, it's like the same thing as Jokic. It doesn't make sense, but he just plays at his own pace and uses his body so well when he's going to the rim and you know stepping back, all those sorts of things. Um, that yeah. you know he just he makes his own luck that way yeah it's it with Luca it's very um it's very weird because I remember when everybody was like who is this dude blah 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 all this and like he like when you talk about a guy who comes into the league who was already very league ready Luca is in that category uh, you know, we saw it straight coming out as a rookie. He just shocked the he shocked the league. And it's because he literally was able to come into the league and like you said, was be able to control the game, put the game into his pace to where he's able to, okay, take charge. Uh, whenever he's on the floor, everybody knows, okay, whatever Luca does, it's gonna work out for the offensive side of our team period point blank and like nobody and i i mean i will say this year this year i can see uh i don't know if <laughs> i don't know if the refs are kind of like getting after him or something with all the text that he's been receiving but i could definitely see uh 
a lot of more people are trying to get into his head and get him off his groove a little bit. And I think he's handling it a lot better than most people would. Um, now, you know, I, I don't I don't really care to. I like seeing Tex in the league because mm-hmm. I, I feel like at times the league can be it can be a little soft. And and I, I enjoy the I enjoy the as long as it's safe. I enjoy the I enjoy the text. It, it it brings some light to the game. Um but yeah, no, Luca is very um I would I could put him in a tier of his own as well cuz he he's able to control the pace of the game and get what he wants out of the game to help his team win. Um and I I, I really enjoy that about him as well. Yeah, and then the guy the, a couple of guys that I see that could be on that tier of their own as well as far as skilled guys would be Jason Tatum. He has oh. that. Yeah. Just offensively, I think he's been and he's from St. Louis, so I've kind of kept up with him through the ever since high school, but um, I'm not biased at all or anything. But um, you know, I just feel like he's he kind of came up in that skills training sort of environment, and he was a top prospect ever since junior high and high school. Um, so he's been bred, you know, with those offensive moves ever since he's been in junior high. And then kind of similar, Michael Porter Jr. We haven't yeah. quite seen him unlocked yet, but offensively, I think he's going to be good, right up there with Jason Tatum as far yes. as you know, top guys offensively in the NBA. Yes. Um, it's funny you said Jason Tatum. Uh, I told Katz after his rookie year, I said, listen, y'all. If there is um, if there is going to be anybody like skill set wise, ta- I'm talking like dribble pull ups, post fadeaways, like create your own shot, create space. I said if anybody is going to be could be a a similar, not the next Kobe, but a similar iteration of Kobe Bryant. I was like Jason Tatum is it, plain and simple. I, like I literally will watch him. I'll I'll watch him. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like his uh, unseen hours with Drew. Um, I can't remember his last name. Drew Han something. Drew Hanlon. Yes. You watch. You watch his his clips. Him, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid. If you watch their one on ones, Kelly Oubre, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Jason Tatum, oh my, he'll do stuff, and I'll be like, like, how are you doing this? Like, it, it, like, what are you like? I don't understand. <laughs> but I, I told, I told dudes, I said, listen, y'all, I, I don't, I don't know what it was. I said this after his rookie year. I said, this Jason Tatum dude, man, because I, I watched him in college, and I was like, oh, he, he shouldn't even. He sh- honestly, if the league, if the league still had it, he was NBA ready coming out of high school. Oh yeah. Plain and simple. He got to college and literally just bullied anybody who tried to guard him. Plain and simple. And then when he got to the league, he was able to translate very quickly. And that when you talk about guys that who are NBA ready going into college, if you watch their college highlights and then like their rookie highlights, if you see the college highlights and you're like, man, they just they just get whatever they want. And then they get into the league their rookie year. And they're getting the exact same things that they want against the NBA guy. You're like, man, he was he was ready last year. 
it, it, you know, this is this is not even a step up. This is just he's just okay. It's just more older guys that I'm playing against, and I'm gonna still get to my spots and still handle the pressure. Plain and simple. But yeah, I Jason Tatum and then Michael Porter Jr. I said just I, I told people because everybody's like, oh my god, like is he gonna be is he gonna be a Ben Simmons? But is he ever gonna actually pull out of the shell from being injured? And I said y'all gotta give him some time. Cause when y'all when he unlocks his potential, man, that dude could be very scary. <laughs> yeah, and we we've seen flashes of it now. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know Jamal Murray went down with the injury, but that gave some more opportunity to a guy right. like Michael Porter right. Jr. So we've seen a little bit of it, and like you said, if he can just find a way to please stay healthy, um, yeah. you know, I think we'll all be in. For a treat, he'll be on that superstar level eventually. I agree. Cool. Well, let's transition over to a team that's not going to be in the playoffs this year, but a team that's going to be interesting moving forward. Um, you're a diehard, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they've got some young players, and they're going to be an interesting team moving forward. I saw yeah. Isaac Okoro. He's been on a little bit of a tear lately. Double figures in nine out of the ten last games. Um, I think he scored 30-plus in one of those games. What yeah. do you see out of Isaac Okoro, and is he one of those two-way players that could be a possible superstar in the future? I think he could. I don't want to be – I don't want to be one of those fans that's, like, has super high expectations for him, and then I get, like, let down. But I definitely see very small flashes. Um I think for him to be an effective to it, because for me, his defense is already, it's very top tier. He just got some small intangibles that he needs to be able to work on, like getting stronger, uh, being able to get his footwork to be a little quicker. Because when you, that's, I can't remember how, you know how tall he is? Is he like? I think he's 6'8 six, six, or 6'9 six, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so. You got to think like, okay, you may get switched out on these smaller guards. You got to be able to move your feet a little bit, move your feet a little quicker, be able to beat them to their spots. But defensively, I think he's very solid right now. And his offensive game is definitely going to need some fine tuning. Uh, But that, you know, coming from uh, coming from Auburn to the league, I honestly he surprised me offensively uh, because in college he was very he was so one dimensional. Um, like he was like, if you, if you were to let him get to the rim, he's going to get to the rim. Like he would hit a couple shots, but he wasn't a jump shooter. Um, and to be able to transition from not really being a jump shooter to being able to come into the league and be able to make some tough shots and, you know, fine tune your offensive skill set to be able to get to your spots that, you know, you're able to hit from. I thought was very surprised. It surprised me very much. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what he could do. Uh, like I said, I don't want to get my, my hopes up too high. Um, but I will say if we, I think the Cavs are a couple picks, a couple picks away and they just need a little bit more veteran status. And they could they could potentially be like an eighth seed or in this like so-called playing tournament that we got within the next couple of years or so, because um, they got a great great backcourt. 
Um, and I think if they can stick with the backcourt with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, if they could find a way to stick, keep them together, I think that would be because I, I followed I followed Colin Sexton since he was in high school. And that dude, I, I don't what sold me was when he was in college and they had to play three on five. Oh, yeah, I, I was like, you got me. I'm, I, I don't need nothing else from you. So. <laughs> Whatever you do in the league, and of course he came to the cast, so I'm like, bro, you got it. I, I don't even have, I have no, nothing to, you know, nothing. He, he got it for me, so. Yeah, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, that's definitely something to build on. And I could not believe it, I'm not kidding you, in the offseason when I was on the app, there were some Cavs fans that were just trashing Darius Garland after his rookie season. I know it was a little rocky, and, you know, he had the Ky- Kyrie Irving expectations were put on him before the draft. You know, this guy's the next Kyrie, and he didn't. Yeah. He hasn't lived up to that, but what rookie really can. And people were saying, you know, we need to get rid of Darius Garland already, and I, I just could not believe that. See, this, that's where I'm like, okay, listen, y'all, like, y'all gotta, y'all gotta take it all in here, because as soon as Colin Sexton came in, y'all were the, it was the same thing, the next Kyrie Irving, like, are we gonna, are we literally gonna put every high draft prospect that we get coming into Cleveland in the same light as a Kyrie Irving or a LeBron James, like, those type, those two players right there, just those two name players are once-in-a-lifetime players that come through the league. Period. Point blank. Now, Kyrie Irving, I, I think that he is not at that. Once he left Cleveland, I feel like he has dropped ever since. But like, still, Kyrie Irving is still a, a generational type player. So, me personally, I never want to put any type of that. I don't want to put that type of pressure on a player coming to Cleveland. So, like, I look at it like, okay, we're going to have growing pains. This is literally, after Braun left, everybody knew. If you're a Cavs fan and you literally thought that we were going to do something the year after LeBron left, you're crazy. This was the rebuild stage, and we knew we were going to have some, we were going to have some time before we could get up to that, okay, we're back in the playoffs. And then once we get back into the playoffs, then we got to get to the playoffs consistently. Then once we get to the playoffs consistently, then we could try and make noise. So if you're a real cash fan, you know that there was going to be some time before we got to that point. Um, so when I hear people say like, oh, we got to get rid of. No, like you, you literally you got to put faith in these guys that they're going to work their butt off. Now, OK, if we go on three, four years and Darius Garland stays the same, then we could be like, OK, like something ain't right. You know what I mean? But we've shown, we've seen from just the rookie year, which was very rocky. I do agree. But just this year, we've seen those small flashes of improvement where you're like, okay, him and Colin Sexton together could be very nice. That could be very because they complement each other very well. Like you got Darius Garland who could be a main controlling ball handler, and you got Colin Sexton who could be a slasher and also get the team involved. And you got Darius Garland, who's got great court vision, great basketball IQ. And you, you got Colin Sexton with great intensity and great tenacity throughout the entire. So, like, you got all the intangibles with a great backcourt. Now you just got to put it together. And I think we're we're a couple pieces away. We're a couple pieces away. 
Yeah, definitely. And But there are some solid pieces there, like you mentioned. Um, Jarrett Allen was another one that you guys were able to pick up for yeah. pretty much nothing. You know, it kind of got him in that Brooklyn, James Harden, uh, Houston Rockets deal. The only downside with Jarrett Allen I see is it's not on the court. He's he's a solid two-way player, but you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him around. Yeah. And that's, that's a tricky thing to me because you don't want to give Jarrett Allen a bunch of money and then kind of handicap yourself. Um, for if there's another veteran that comes up or another player that might fit the team a little a little bit better. So if you were the Cavs, what, what would you do with Jarrett Allen? Um, are you signing him to a big money deal or are you trying to keep it to one or two years? Uh, what are you trying to do with Jarrett Allen? I'm trying to keep it one or two years right now because uh, we got a lot of there's a lot of big names coming into this draft the next two years. Um a lot of big names and if there's any way that they could sign a because i i look at i look at the cash right now i look at it like okay they're going to be young for quite some time but the thing about that is with them being so young they can all grow together and all they need is a couple veteran plugins to just kind of fine-tune like okay here we got all these young guys let's let's get these let's get these young guys and corral them together with these few veteran pieces in the back, you know what I mean? That literally will be able to regulate. Okay. All right. It's, it's getting crunch time. Okay. Y'all calm down and slow it down. You know what I mean? Have them veteran pieces to be able to regulate, but I, I, I don't, if I was the Cavs, I would not sign Jared Allen to a big money deal right now, just because of the it, nowadays you don't know, Anybody could become a free agent. I'm going to just say it like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cleveland isn't a very big, high brand market team, but all it takes is one person that wants to go there. And then it's like, oh, shoot, I didn't think we was going to get him right there. Like now, mind you, when we, we had Andre Drummond, I was like, oh, shoot. OK, what? <laughs> all right. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then now it didn't work out for whatever reason. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? But just showing that okay we had one other piece and to start to start the league this year i mean the way the Cavs came out hot i was like okay whoa whoa i wasn't ready for it i didn't think it would happen this fast and then stuff you know of course buyout and all that stuff but that just shows you right there with the pieces that they got right now with just one or two extra pieces can change the whole team's dynamic right then and there. So um, it, that's why it's so interesting to watch the Cavs because they're like one of those back-end teams that like, okay, if they got like one or maybe two guys, they could make some noise. Yeah, so. for sure. Teams in the NBA can definitely turn it around pretty quickly, especially yeah. those young teams, like you said, just add one or two pieces. Um, I do want to get both your guys' thoughts, though on a guy that I've you know, been thinking a lot about. We mentioned him already, Colin Sexton. Where do you see his ceiling? And both of you can answer this separately or however you want to. Is he kind of a superstar, number one or number two on a championship or you know, team that's going to make a deep playoff run? Or does he need to be you know, sort of that star role as a third option or a strong second option? Um. I don't see him be. I, I have very high 
hopes for him, not high expectations. Um, I really love what I see from him not right now. Um, but I think what he's doing and the heroics that he's doing now, like within this year, has been because he had to be that number one option. You know what I mean? Like, Andre Drummond was only there for a small portion of the the year. And and let's not forget Kevin Love, okay? Like, Kevin Love isn't what he used to be, but he's, he's still a solid starter in the league, no matter where he would play. I, I think he is still a very solid starter. But I feel like Colin Sexton, the way he is right now, is because he's got he's basically has to put on that I gotta score to give us give us, you know, a chance here. Now mind you, they've gotten these small pieces like Isaac Okoro, Darius Garland as well, who are kind of shining through the light a little bit to make it a lesser load. But I think as of right now, unless for whatever odd reason they get like a big name player. I think Colin Sexton would have to be the number one option uh, for quite some time until unless because if they don't if they don't particularly get anybody big name or, you know, draft a high prospect and who actually comes in and, you know, changes the, the dynamic of the team, he's going to have to be that number one option. And we've seen it in very many different situations where. He's that number one option, and he comes through and delivers. Um, now, you know, like I said, if the Cavs were for whatever reason able to get some good veteran status and get some extra pieces, I think he could be a part of a, of a smaller market big three. I could definitely see that. Um, but uh, as of right now, he's got to be the number one option. Um I feel as at least right now with the situations that they have. Yeah. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Colin Sexton so far? Yeah. Um, I, I like what you guys are saying really. Uh, I think you're right on uh, as far as talking about Cleveland. Um, I will say though, to start, I, when they fir- first put together that Garland Sexton combination, um, I, I wasn't optimistic. I didn't think that was a good fit or that it would work, but um, it, it's, it's proven me wrong. They, they fit well and they figured it out and they're, they're playing really well together. And I actually like that backcourt now. So I think that's, and then I love the Jared Allen pickup too. Um, that's, that's great. Uh, as far as him being, you know, a number one guy, I think right now he definitely is for them. Um, now if he's, if he's going to be a number one on a, on a title team, I'm not sure. Um, I think he could, Definitely be like a second or third guy if we're talking like right now um, on a title team or a contender um, if they add some pieces. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a he's a great scorer. I think. I mean, what is he? He's averaging like uh, I think twenty five this year, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I number one option seems a bit optimistic right now, but um, you know, I guess there's a lot of time to see, and he's still got a lot to grow. And um, but yeah, I do I do like what they're putting together with him and Garland and hopefully they can ride it out uh, on the rest of the roster. Um, and hopefully Okoro can start to grow a little bit. And yeah, I, as of right now, I'd probably say he could be like a two or three uh, for his career. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. We could definitely, and the fact that you guys both mentioned it, that he's not afraid to take that big shot. That's, that's a huge thing for me. 
Um, you see guys like Donovan Mitchell that come up early are able to do the same things. I could see him kind of on the same tier as a guy like Donovan Mitchell uh, moving forward, kind of that strong. You know, he can be your first option and take and make that big shot, or he can kind of be your second option on any night. So I can definitely see that. But we got to address we got to address the drama with Colin Sexton that came out in the news <laughs> recently. You see this a lot at the yeah. end of seasons that are t- on teams that are losing. Um, you know, maybe went on a losing skid, but the the reports were kind of boiled down to, you know, the coaches uh, kind of had to go out of their way or were told to go out of their way to praise Colin Sexton. It's it's a little weird to me because I don't just watching him ever since high school. I don't feel like he's that kind of personality that needs that necessarily that <laughs> praise. So, yeah, but you're closer to the situation than me. So you tell me. Is that I mean, overblown or what's going on? I've watched him from high school on up. Um, Colin Sexton has never been a guy who needs affirmation or needs those kind words from a coach. Like keep doing. He don't need that. He's a firebug, and what he does, what he needs is his own. He literally is his own and biggest fan. So like. For him, all he needs to get going is if he starts talking to himself and getting himself hype, he don't need nobody else to tell him he's he's doing a good job. Uh, he's doing all this, this and that. he don't need that. Like I've I've literally. So when that report came out, I was like, come on, really? And like you said, the, the drama always starts to come around when the season is just about done for those teams that don't make the playoffs. And you're just like, OK, who wants a tabloid? promotion like come on like okay like Colin Sexton don't he don't need all that and that's where it's like for me and I'm not to act like I know to do but um, I'm like I look at it like okay I don't think Colin Sexton would I just don't that doesn't sound or seem to me like that's something that he would want like I, I feel like if he if he feels as if he's being productive and he's doing his thing then, you know, what everybody else has to say, he could care less. You know what I mean? Like, if he's doing everything that he needs to do to put his team in the best position to win, he could care less what people got to think about him. Yeah, and at the end of the day, winning cures everything. So if they end up going to the – yeah, if they end up going to the playoffs next year, nobody's – or the playing game, whatever right. the case may be, nobody's ever going to – think about this really ever again like they just beat the they just beat the celtics yesterday and you ain't hear nothing about the report after the game yeah exactly. like, they, say they beat the celtics it was like oh okay gotcha colin sexton is a cool dude mm-hmm. <laughs> Coach love yeah exactly you see that a lot a lot of tabloids and drama so you never know what's real and what's not um yeah. but all-time cavaliers Getting off this current team, who are some of your favorite nostalgic Cavaliers through the years? Obviously, you know you got LeBron and Kevin right. Love and Kyrie, but um, other than that, who are who are some of those nostalgic favorite Cavaliers uh, players? Well, um, we just got we just got my boy back, Anderson Varejao. That's my that's my dude. Uh, Big Z, oh, gotta love Big Z. Um, let me see who else. What are your thoughts on Ricky Davis? I thought he was a good player. Um, I 
I knew he wouldn't be around long after LeBron kind of came and kind of just took over, really. Um, like, I knew once Bron came on the scene that eventually, if it wasn't by the, his first year, which it ended up being by his first year, he would automatically become the overarching number one option. Like, there would the offense is going to physically and absolutely change because of him. Um, so I knew that one of two things was going to happen. Either Ricky was going to be okay with being that number two, number three kind of guy, or he wasn't. So I, you know, that, that's, that's how kind of how I looked at it growing up. But um, I, I always thought he was a great player. I, I liked him. I liked him in the league. So I didn't really have too much. It didn't really bother me too much, really. Because, um, like I said, growing up, at the end of the day, I was like, well, we still got Braun. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? That's a, franchise, that's a franchise piece right there. Yeah, it helps to have the kid from Akron. Um, another name, an NBA what if, a big one that people don't always mention is Dewan Wagner. Oh, yeah. He was just great in high school, great in college, but it just it never translated for a number of reasons. Kind of the era he grew up in was it people call it, you know, too much, too fast, too soon era. And he was definitely in that era. But Dewan Wagner is definitely someone I think of of NBA what ifs. Yeah. And and not not necessarily a Cav, but a what if Greg Odin. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's an Ohio guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man! I oh that I literally like I think about that all the time. I think about if Greg Oden stayed healthy, Brandon Roy stayed healthy with the trail. I I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. Because then I'm like, okay, well they would have ever gotten Damian Lillard, and it's I don't know, man. Them dudes. Yeah, Greg Greg Oden, I remember that national championship game when he broke his hand and he was going up against Joachim Noah, Al Horford, Corey Brewer, that Florida team, and he still he still was a force inside even with a broken hand. And I was just like, oh, this dude, if he can stay healthy, this dude is it. Man, I'm telling you, he was a monster. Man. Yeah, some, some great Cavaliers names there. And I got to ask both you guys, when you think of LeBron, I think you're both a little bit younger than me, so the answer might be a little bit different for all of us. Are you going to think, when you think of Cavaliers LeBron and he retires, are you going to think of the early Cavaliers, that first stint in Cleveland, or are you going to think of, you know, the second stint where he had finally go, got over the hump and got that championship? Man. Yeah. I, or go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. I think when you think of LeBron, I think you got to kind of put it all together because, I mean, when he first got there, they were really bad. Um, And, you know, he took that team to, you know, relevance by himself pretty much. You know, um, you know, another guy I was thinking about when you were talking about the Cavs, you know, Daniel Gibson, like, you know, <laughs> so. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, guys like that were on that team. And, you know, you go back and look at those finals. It's like they made the finals. Like, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Um, But then, you know, coming back and being in contention again and, you know, everybody remembers that block. And, you know, he was so emotional after that. I I, I think you got to put it all together for LeBron James uh, for sure. And 
Yeah. I just, I think, honestly, you can kind of look at it as two separate things. Like, you know, his young career, you know, he's he's still getting it done. Um, and then, you know, he comes back and finally finishes the deal and he can move on, you know, and uh, not have that burden on him uh, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Um, I couldn't even, when I think about LeBron James retiring and then like his time in Cleveland, I don't even separate nothing. It's all part of the. It was all part of the process for him, like as a as a player in this league. Like you literally, like growing up, I was like, oh my goodness, like this dude is like, like I've never seen anybody play basketball like this in my entire life. And then like to be able to, like he said, carry the teams that he carried to success like that is what that's mind-boggling to me like i i don't i i i honestly i don't care who you want to put in lebron's position i don't know if they could do it and that's just mm-hmm. me. you know i I'm, I'm trying not to be biased but that's just me i don't know if you could put any of these big name players in lebron's positions and they are able to make that team successful like yeah. another 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 vintage player from the Cavs, Mo Williams. Oh mm-hmm. man. Oh yeah. Dude. But like yeah, it's just there's a lot that you're like, man, I don't know if anybody else could do what Braun just did for this team. Like yeah, and for me being a diehard Cavs fan, when he left Cleveland to go to Miami, I did I wasn't even upset. I wasn't because I'm like, okay. I look at it like this. He needs the tools to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. He went to Miami, got them tools. He came right back. And in two years, we got a shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I, 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 it, that's why, like, when all those dudes, all those people were, like, burning his jersey. All, I'm like, y'all are stupid. You, you're just stupid. Because you know LeBron. He gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Like this is where he started. Like I always like I, I literally was like even when LeBron left uh, Cleveland the first time to go to Miami, I was like I have a feeling I don't know why, but he's gonna come back. Like he's gonna win. I already knew he was gonna win in Miami. I didn't know how much he was gonna win, but I was like after he wins, he's gonna come back and try to do it for Cleveland, and that's exactly what he did. So like that literally like. I put I I gave him so much more respect from just doing that entire situation because like he literally once he left Cleveland he was the league's most hated player literally league's most hated player and he just just when he came back to Cleveland the first game oh my gosh I was like <laughs> ah oh, was bad they destroyed us. I was like, y'all ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> At the end of the game, like the beginning of the game to the end of the game, it was all booze. At the end of the game, it was just quiet. Everybody was like, hey, we can't say nothing. <laughs> There's nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky enough to watch LeBron's entire career. And, you know, I was a little guilty of it. I think everybody was when he first left Cleveland, you know, oh, okay, this just got, this guy's just hopping on the bandwagon. But, you know, perspective is hindsight is 2020 and 
I, I don't right. hate him for that at all anymore. I never really hated him, but, you know, everybody was hating on him for that. Um, and definitely, when I think of LeBron, the two moments that come to mind for me just watching his entire career, ironically, are both in Cleveland. The one play everybody thinks of is the block, and that's definitely a first in my mind. But then after that, when you talked about those early teams he was carrying, when he went up against Detroit in the playoffs and the Eastern, yeah. I think, Eastern Conference, it was either finals or semifinals, and he yeah. had, you know, 33 of their 34 last points, and every yeah. possession was put the ball in LeBron's hands. I don't care who's in the way. You got this great <laughs> defensive team in Detroit. It didn't matter. He just scored. I, he kept getting fouled. He did everything. I remember watching that game on TV, and I'm just like, bro, like what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Like, I don't – oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, and that was the year. That was the year LeBron was supposed to play Kobe in the finals. Mm-hmm. That was the year. Oh, Ultimate man. matchup we missed out on, for sure. Oh, yeah. LeBron, Kobe, man. Every time, man. Yeah, I was watching the game, and I remember the announce. I was pretty young, but I still, I still remember it. And the announcer was like, he scored 26 out of the last 27 points. And I was like, this can't – what this, this yeah. can't be real like that has to be a typo or something man it, he just kept going mm, yeah i'm glad you said that because not a lot of people i feel like people literally forget about that situation like they're like just because of everything that happened after that they're like oh he did this this and i'm like well what about the time where he literally scored like 30 something points out of the, like he all, every possession. I, what about that? Or what about the time where he hit that buzzer beater against the Magic at the top of the key? Or like it, it's just all the little things. Like people forget about his time before he left Cleveland. And there's just so many special moments where you're just like, man, that dude. Mm. Yeah, you're definitely blessed as a Cleveland fan to be able to watch that not once but two different times you got to watch LeBron come and compete in the playoffs and eventually win the championship. Um, But before we get off, I'll let you go here. I do want to get both your guys updated playoff predictions. Um, Give me a team from the East, a team from the West that's going to be in the finals. And then um, ultimately who do you think is going to be the champion? Team from the East team from the West. Um, I think if the Sixers stay healthy, they're going to the finals. Honestly, um, I think the Nets are just—I don't think they can put it to put it all together. They got too many number one options trying to be number one. Um, I honestly like Kyrie isn't even the point guard. James Harden's the point guard. Um, and I just—I don't know. I haven't seen James Harden win in the playoffs yet, so I don't know. And I just, I just feel like the Sixers are just so well rounded right now. And if as long as they can stay healthy, I think they could. I think they could do it. Joel Embiid is carrying like that that team, and I think when it starts to get like, okay, make Ben Simmons shoot. Okay, give the ball to Joel Embiid, let him work down low, and it's unstoppable down there. Now, the West, all right, so 
this is my thing. If I don't think the Clippers are going to do it. I think they're going to I think they'll go to the Western Conference Finals, but they'll lose. But I really do think if uh I don't know, man. I, I don't know. The West is very it's up in the air for me. I I don't know if I have a solid pick right now cuz I my other team is the Trailblazers and they they're on the roll right now. Mm-hmm. But they every year it's the same thing with them. They do they play just enough to play really well and then they get to the playoffs and then it's just they run out of juice. But honestly, I think if uh if LeBron is with all this sitting out, if LeBron and AD are fully healthy, I think they could I think they could get to the finals again. And that's just that's just if if they can stay healthy, they could get to the finals again. If they have any health issues, I don't know. It might get a little rocky. Yeah, the West is definitely up for grabs this year. You got so many strong teams, Phoenix, Denver, Utah, Clippers, Lakers, even the Mavericks have looked better as of late with Luka. Um, yeah. And the Trailblazers, as you mentioned. So That's it's why be- I, said, man, I don't know. The West is just up there. You know what I mean? Like, they have so many different – on any given night, any team could go off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just so, never know. I'm I'm really I'm really just as a fan of the game excited for these playoffs. I think there'll be a little bit of bad blood with the fans in the stands. You know, limited yeah. capacity, so it's not going to be quite what it used to be a couple years ago with um, the crowd and everything. But it's going to be better than the bubble for sure. Better atmosphere yeah. than the bubble. Yeah. And when we get to see some teams, the Clippers seem like they have beef with everybody. So any team the Clippers line like up against is going to be a yeah, good. Series. I like that. Yeah. Brandon, uh, who's your picks? Yeah, um, I, I also like Philly. Um, Embiid's been he, the most dominant player probably in the league this year. Um, I And Doc Rivers has figured out how to play them together, and uh, they, they're looking really good. Um, Brooklyn, just their talent, you got to mention them, uh, but the health is one thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if right now I would probably go Philly um, in the East. Uh, West, that's tough. Um, I think if the Lakers are healthy and LeBron's, you know, even 90%, it, it's like Tom Brady. If you have him, I, <laughs> you got a pretty good shot. Um, yeah. And uh, But I will say uh, another team I'm pretty high on and I, is, is the Suns. I, I know we haven't seen Booker uh, or Aiden in the playoffs yet, but what Chris Paul's been able to do with his leadership there, um, and, you know, if Booker can even be what he just, you know, regular everyday booker like i think they'll still be fine uh i i do like their chances um for sure um in the in the west so yeah um i i would probably say either the lakers or phoenix are my favorites in the west right now and then philly in the east and then uh yeah one thing i wanted to say going back to kind of the cleveland stuff another player that i always like to go back and look at is uh is mark price um a lot of people kind of don't know him, or or if you're from there, you probably know him. But um, yeah, I just if you go look at his numbers, he was he was a he was a marksman. Like his his percentages were great, and uh, you know all that, and he was averaging, you know, I think twenty a couple times. He was he was a great player. Um, I didn't yeah. mean to go backwards like that, but that was just some guy I, I always like to mention when we're discussing the Cavs. 
No, for you're sure. good. Yeah, I like Mark Price for sure. And when I think of people like to point to the 50, 40, 90 club. So 50% field goal mm. shooting overall, 40% three-point shooting, 90% from the line is kind of, you know, the mark of an, a, a super efficient player. And yeah. when I think of like the poster child for that, I definitely think of Mark Price. For sure. Yeah, so sure. that's definitely a good name to throw out there. Um, and then finals picks for me, my in the East, my head says Brooklyn, just pick Brooklyn, but my heart just says pick the pick the Miami Heat again. You know, they're <laughs> they're the five seed now. Uh, Jimmy Butler just said, "Get me to the playoffs, and I'll do the rest." So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick yeah. the Heat. Just go for it. Do something a little bit different, and you know, That'll Jimmy Butler, friends. bam. What's that? That'll be crazy again. Yeah, they they've been playing better. I, I was a little scared in the middle of the season. They they, they, they had though. Yeah, they've had a few runs where they played really bad and then they played really well and you thought, okay, the Heat are back and then they kinda dipped again and now they're playing well again. Um so Tyler Hero kinda rounding into form, finding his role there again and see him in the playoffs. So I'm just gonna pick the Heat out of the East just to be different. But I really think it's gonna be Brooklyn in my heart of hearts. And then um out of the West like you guys mentioned, if the Lakers are going to make a run, it, obviously that means LeBron and AD are healthy. So I'm just going to bank. I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to say Lakers. Um, but LeBron uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. If if LeBron's even 85, 90% right. in the playoffs and he can kind of round into form in that first couple rounds, I really see – the Lakers going back to so it could be Lakers Miami again part two um, possibly but also in the West I think it's just going to be fun I, I don't really I don't have a dog in the fight but I'm just excited to see all these teams match up against each other in the playoffs it's going to be fun no matter what if the Lakers get the Clippers I want to see that I want to see it I think everybody wants to see it um, I think it's it's about that time for it to actually happen now. Uh, so, and if the Clippers fall apart again, I don't want to hear no more Clippers fan talk anything because I, I can't, I can't. Like, what you have nothing to go off of. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you guys are, no, I don't want to hear it. So, you got to get, get to the Western Conference Finals. That's what I have for the Clippers fans. <laughs> yeah. And then if the Clippers fail again, I think, you know, Kawhi Leonard has that opt-out, so he may, may very well opt-out. He'll bounce. Yeah, he'll end up going somewhere, um, maybe Orlando, because he's a fun guy, and they got Universal City down there <laughs> in Disneyland. Um, you never know with Kawhi. Yeah, I don't know where. This offseason is going to be ridiculous, too. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have any hot takes going into the playoffs? Um, anything? It can be an, anything NBA related. Could be past, present, future. Um, something for the Cavs. Anything you got here? Mm, that's tough. It would be really nice if the Cavs got the number one lottery pick. Who would you like <laughs> them to take if they got the number one pick? Who's your guy? You got ah. Uh, see, I don't know because. The number one pick is going to be Cade Cunningham. But I just feel like that's too much backcourt. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Cade Cunningham – I don't know if you could put him 
you would have to sideline one of either Garland or Sexton. And I'll, you know, that's just, I don't know. That's you got tough. some interesting big men. You've got Evan Mobley. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the number one overall player, but maybe right. if the Cavs get the two or three pick, they they might go after Mobley. And then I, some some swing guys like Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Jalen yep. Green, kind of that six eight frame that could play. They need, sort they need of. somebody that could be like bring a little flash to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. If you could bring a little flash to Cleveland, I think that'll open up guys like veteran savvy guys to be like, okay. They making a little noise over there. Let me see what they talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brandon, you got any hot takes going into the playoffs or off season? Yeah, when you say that, two things come to mind. I think, uh, you know, whoever the Warriors end up getting in the playoffs, I think they'll give them a run for their money. Uh, oh. Just, just the staff factor. Um, whether they get the seven or eight, um, we'll see. Um, and another thing, uh, you know, going back to the little bit of bias here, but my guy Lou Dort. I think he'll make an all-defense team this year. Good yeah, for, for sure. I like him. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know much about him, but once he's uh, – after last year and then this year watching, I, he, he caught my eye, and uh, I like the guy, man, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like that. Uh, my hot take that I had this week, I'm showing a little bit of my – I'm not a particular fan of any team, per se. I kind of just like the league as a whole, but – if I had to pick a team, I would probably say currently the Miami Heat. I just like what they're about, like their culture, all that. Um, so my take was Tyler Hero. He's going to have a better career than both Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman from this year's draft. Mm. I think that's pretty hot. I'm not ready to say he's going to have a better career than Lamelo because Lamelo's one of my guys too, so I'm not ready to <laughs> say that. But Tyler Hero, I would definitely say is – at the end of the day, he's going to he's gonna bounce back, and he's going to have a better I career could, than those guys. I could see Tyler Hero being like a D-book story. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, 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 said that, I said that after last year, and people looked at me crazy, and I'm like, I mean, you put him in a position to go get you one. I mean, all he, he just needs a little fine-tuning and getting a little stronger, because I think that's really his, like, his, like, one of his biggest downfalls. He's just not that strong, so he can get moved off of off of his spots a lot easier. But I like Tyler Hero. I really do. Yeah, I just see him as sort of a three level scorer. And like you said, his weak weak spot for sure is you know if he makes a couple jump shots, he starts feeling himself, and he oh, yeah. he goes to the rim and promptly gets blocked at the rim because <laughs> he gets pushed off the rim. So if he yeah. can work on that, he can definitely be a 25 point per game score eventually in the league. Sure. I can say, I can say that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been real guys. I, I thank you both for hopping on with me. Um, you got anything to plug or anything you want to say before I let you out here? Um, I just like to give a shout out to my girl. She's a, uh, she just left for uh, the army basic training for active duty two days ago. So, so she's in there right now, but um, she'll be out in September 19th. So, I know she's doing great things, and I can't wait to see her. So it's my little tidbit. Shout out. Where'd she? What? Where'd she end up going for basic? Uh, Fort Leonard Wood, okay. in Missouri. I was uh, stationed there for three years myself, and really post traumatic after the Fort Leonard Wood. Not really. It's not bad. It's, it's a little <laughs> cold this winter, but it's all right. 
Hey, I just want to say, man, appreciate y'all and in, in the military, man. That's 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 great stuff y'all are doing, man. For sure, appreciate y'all's service and uh, that's definitely dedication right there. Absolutely, yeah, no problem. For sure, Brandon, you got anything to plug? Anything before we go? Uh, I think we're good, man. Uh, good talking about the Cavs, man. Uh, nice meeting you, Miles. That was, that was good talking with you. Absolutely. Um, I'll have to make my way up to Ohio sometime, but uh, for now I'm down in the old Carolinas, so uh, I'll rep that a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that's all I had. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. For sure. Sounds good, man. Out comes Iguodala, two on one, a fine curry, get it back, Iguodala puts it up, oh, LeBron tracks him down and made the rejection. Huge, huge defensive play by the four-time MVP. 100 seconds to go, we're tied at 89. Are you having fun yet, Cleveland? Well, that is going to do it, folks, for this episode of the Halftime Community Podcast. Download, subscribe, review, do it all over again 302 times, and I would greatly appreciate that. Um, Thank you for everybody that came on and has been involved up to this point. And if you haven't checked it out on the app, I can definitely recommend checking out that live audio feature, the live audio rooms, um, where you know it kind of goes down there's a lot that goes down in there you can talk anything you want to talk about so i definitely check out that feature and i'll be on there you'll be seeing me on there um, especially a lot going into the playoffs so thank you all of you guys and i will see you on the next episode